I do want to say right up front, happy Father's Day uh, to you dads and uh, maybe soon-to-be dads, uh, grandpas. I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, And so in honor of this uh, special day, I want to speak to you from 1 Thessalonians. And so take your Bibles and turn there, if you would. 1 Thessalonians. I believe we were in this epistle probably a couple of years ago. But there are some key truths there in chapter 2 for fathers uh, to which I want to draw your attention. And so we're going to read the first 12 verses of chapter 2, but my focus this morning will be on verses 9 to 12. Beginning with verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts." We never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives Because you have become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And may God add his blessing uh, to the reading of his word this morning. This is a very inspiring and challenging text, uh, especially for those who are leaders in the church. I will tell you that this one passage, more than any other text on leadership, really gets at my own heart. It's like God's finger (laughs) pressing on my soul as I think through this passage of Scripture and see the example of these men and how they shepherded the flock of God there at Thessalonica. Paul here is highlighting what the Thessalonians quote-unquote knew regarding him and his co-laborers. Their phenomenal ministry that they had among them. I mean, look at verse 1. He says there, For you yourselves know, brethren. Verse 2, But after he had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know. Look at verse 5. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know. (laughs) Look at verse 9. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship. Verse 10, you are witnesses and so is God. Verse 11, just as you know. (laughs) Do you see that refrain over and over again in this passage of Scripture? He's reminding them 
of what they knew already about these men. And he brings certain things to their attention. Actually, the apostle was responding to false accusations about them from Jewish enemies. Because he didn't want those new believers there in Thessalonica to stumble in their faith. So he reminded them of the courage and the character they observed about the missionary team and the spiritual care that they received from them. And it's this care that I especially want you to look at with me today in verses 9 to 12. You see, men, fathers, whether you have thought about this or not, uh, maybe whether you like it or not, you have to accept this one fact. You are leaders. You are leaders. And what it says here in this passage of Scripture applies to you. It certainly does. I would say that most, if not all of you, are quick to say that you care for your family. You go out and you work eight to ten hours in a given day to provide all the needs of your home. Amen and amen. That is a part of your responsibility. But how are you looking after your family spiritually? It's a good question. That's the emphasis of this passage of Scripture here in 1 Thessalonians 2. And I want you to notice the purpose of all this care. And it's captured in verse 12. He says this to them, So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Why does Paul and his friends give this care to the church is because he wants them to walk worthy of their calling. That's the purpose. And so, this was Paul's desire, and it should be the desire of every father here in this congregation and who are listening by a live stream this morning. Well, in the previous verses... 9 to 11, there are three marks of spiritual care that Paul and his co-laborers offered the church. You want to know how? You want to know what it looks like to give care to your family? It's captured right in these verses. It's almost laid out for you, verse by verse by verse. And so it's not hard to see. And so I want you to consider them with me and trust that God will use them to help you examine your heart and strengthen your leadership within the home. In fact, ask yourself this question throughout the message. This one question. Does my family, quote unquote, know these things about me? Do they know that? And if not, why not? And how can I change for his glory? Ask that self, yourself that question as we work through these marks of spiritual care. And the first one is captured there in verse 9. What does it say? For you recall, brethren, 
our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. What seems to be clear about Paul and his friends here? It's just, it's stated. They proclaimed the gospel, did they not? Yes, that's what it says there. We proclaim the gospel to you. And so therefore, as leaders, Christian fathers share the gospel with their family. They share the gospel with their family. The gospel is mentioned, that word, four times in the first ten verses here of chapter 2. Indicating how important it is. And why is it, is, is it important? Because it's the message of salvation which delivers people from their sin. That is why the gospel is so important to share with mankind and especially with our families. This is good news, is it not? That we can be delivered from our sin? Amen. That's what the word gospel means. Paul says it this way in Romans 1, 16 and 17, those familiar verses to you. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then he goes on to say, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And so on the one hand, the missionary team used the scriptures to help these people in Thessalonica understand their sin and lost condition. How spiritually destitute they were and were headed for destruction. Because if they didn't understand their sin, they would not see their need for Christ. And so they started there. And so likely... This means they were taken to Genesis 3, where it all began with Adam and Eve, and how they disobeyed God. And through Adam, the whole world was plunged into sin and death. And so every person that has been born since has been born a sinner. And Paul says in Romans 5, in verse 12, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so Death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That was the bad news, but they had to share it with them. And yet on the other side, these men used the scriptures to reveal for the people their only hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That he was the Lamb of God sent to die but rise again on mankind's behalf so that he might have eternal life through faith in him. It's likely that maybe they went to Psalm 16, which talks about the resurrection. Psalm 22, which talks about the death of Christ. Isaiah 53. Those are just a few of the passages of Scripture that they focused on. And then you come to the New Testament, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, verse 16. Beloved, this is what we are about as a church. To deliver the message which rescues sinners and produces worshipers. In fact, those were the very words that Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. It's the foundation of all we do. As seen again 
on the wall right here in our fellowship hall. How many times in the last few weeks have I directed your attention to that? I mean, I can't even come into this building without seeing it. Hopefully you are seeing it. But what's at the foundation? The gospel, right? And when that's preached by God's grace, worshipers are produced. And then it becomes evident in the church through those various pillars that we see out there. I want everybody that comes in this church to understand what we are about. It's our philosophy of ministry right there in picture form. In fact, the gospel is what we're commanded to preach, right? To share. Isn't that what it says in Matthew 28? Jesus said those words to his disciples as he left this earth. You know, this past week I was reading an article entitled Relay Games in Corinth. So it caught my attention. It's about sports, you know. The writer says, In ancient Corinth, there used to be staged the Isthmian Games, which is the forerunner of the modern-day Olympics. There were many events, but the one which received the most attention was the relay race. The competitors lined up side by side at the starting line, each bearing a torch. In the distance waited still another line of men, and still farther on other lines. You get the, the picture. When the signal was given, the men started to run, bearing their lighted torches. When a runner reached his partner in the next line, he would pass on his light. And so on from man to man until the finish line was reached. With the famous relay race in mind, the Greeks coined a phrase, let those who have the light pass it on. Let those who have the light pass it on. Well, as Christians, we have the light to pass on to others, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. And in the midst of all that's going on around us, what an opportunity we have. I mean, Pat this morning was talking about an opportunity, right? She spent a great deal of time discussing this. Outreach uh, during VBS or uh, a shortened version of that. Consider that. Reaching out just to the few people in your neighborhood. In fact, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, when we could start getting haircuts. Uh, I went to the barber and sat down. And guess what the first question was asked of me? What do you think of this coronavirus situation? And of course, I went on to say, well, I don't know what to compare it to, but I think you need to treat it with respect. But I didn't just say that. I said, you know, as a person and as a pastor, um, I don't fear uh, all of this because I know Jesus Christ as my Savior, and you can know him too. (laughs) Boy, all of a sudden, it just became quiet in there. Yeah. But when you're asked these kind of questions, wow, it's like a softball's been pitched up to you. Don't let it pass. In fact, uh, I think Jim came to me Uh, A few weeks ago, and I know there's a few of you that have been watching those uh, chosen videos, okay? And I've watched a couple of the uh, programs. But here's an opportunity right there to invite someone in your home (laughs) to watch them with you and use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah. Just wonderful opportunities that God just lays in our laps. And you know, fathers, it really begins with you and your homes. How are you getting this message to your family? You should be so concerned about their spiritual welfare that you are looking for ways to bring the gospel to them. 
I mean, when you come home from work, your children are around you. How was your day? Let them just spiel out from their heart what is going on in their little world and some of the troubles they are having. But in God's wisdom, spread the seed of the gospel in the midst of that. So they hear that message. And likely they'll ask you questions. Well, then you'll have the opportunity to answer them. And Lord willing, one day, they will come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wow, man. Wouldn't that be wonderful? There we go. In the first service, they were quiet too. Yeah. And I told them it didn't make a difference whether they had a mask on or not. I could hear you. So does your family hear from you? You can't force them to embrace it, and I don't think you want to. But you don't want to fail in giving it to them. Paul said here, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. That's what he said, 1 Corinthians 9, 16. I trust that you have that burden. As fathers, sharing the gospel with your family. This brings us to another mark of spiritual care there in verse 10. Notice what it says. You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Again, what do you notice about Paul here and his co-laborers? Again, it's just laid out. They had godly conduct, didn't they? Yeah, that's what the text essentially says. And so as leaders, Christian fathers exemplify the truth before their family. Christian fathers exemplify the truth before their family. Paul said to the church, you are witnesses and so is God of our holy lives. And he used three adverbs here to describe how he and his comrades conducted themselves in Thessalonica. He said, first of all, devoutly. What does that mean? In other words, they demonstrated a passion for God and out of that lived a pure life before them. Then he said, uprightly. They were just and righteous in their dealings with others. In this day and age, what do we call that? Social justice, right? (laughs) That's a big thing going on right now. And so as people who have embraced the gospel, that should characterize your life. Treating others with respect. Because God has made us all in his image, right? Amen. And finally, he said blamelessly. There was no legitimate charge that could be brought upon them from people without. Wow. (laughs) I mean, he's bold here to make these kinds of statements. But he says, God is my witness, and so are you. He sees it in our hearts, but you have observed it among us. I'm not saying anything that you have not seen. You know this. It is true. These men lived openly and consistently for Christ before God, the church, and the world. Comes back to what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 16 So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
You know, Warren Wiersbe shared this interesting historical count in one of his commentaries entitled, Be Hopeful. I believe it is on 1 Thessalonians. He wrote this. In the summer of 1805, a number of Indian chiefs and warriors met in council at Buffalo Creek, New York, to hear a presentation of the Christian message by a Mr. Cram from the Boston Missionary Society. After the sermons, the sermon, a response was given by Red Jacket, one of the leading chiefs. Among other things, the chief said this, and there were a number of things. I'm not going to read to him, read them all to you. But he said this, brother. We are told that you have been preaching to the white people in this place. These people are our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find it does them good, makes them honest, and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will then consider again what you have said. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You see what the apostle shared here in verse 10 was important to him to be a testimony to the church of what a believer and follower of God looks like. So he could say those words as he said to the church at Corinth, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, let me say this. All Christians should have the characteristics that are named in this passage. You bet. It's not just for leaders. It's for everybody. And certainly it is to be such for Christian fathers as leaders in the home. Man, you don't want to be a contradiction of the truth, but always affirming it by your character and your conduct in the home. Otherwise, you become a stumbling block to your family. And I truly believe this morning you don't want to be that. And so would they say that what is seen here at church is what they see at home? You know, sometimes fathers, maybe mothers, live a certain way at home. The kids see this. It's not maybe following the Lord as they should. But then they come to church and they put on a different face. And then they go home back to the same thing. Let me just tell you, children see all that going on. Would they say that dad lives out the the truth that he teaches? I pray that you have that testimony. Revealing to them the truth through your life. And I don't want you to be overcome by what it says there in verse 10. You might be thinking, wow. I mean, Paul said that of himself, but I'm not for sure if I could (laughs) boldly say that. Don't be overcome. You can grow in these things. Why? Why? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, that you have everything necessary for life and godliness. Does God lie? No. His word is true. You do. As a believer, you have Christ. You have his spirit. And so you can grow in these things and manifest that truth before your family rather than being a stumbling block to them. We want them to know what the gospel message does in the lives of people. And especially at home. That's where it begins. And so, yes, it's important, fathers, that you share the gospel with your family. 
and that you exemplify the truth before your family. Those are two marks. We come to a third mark here in verse 11. Look what it says. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Again, what did Paul say of the missionary team? Pretty clear here. It's just laid out. They taught, they trained the church family as a father would his own children. And so therefore, as leaders, Christian fathers disciple the hearts of their family. They disciple the hearts of their family. Paul's illustration here of a father helped the Thessalonian church understand the missionaries' care for them, which was evidenced here by exhorting, encouraging, and imploring. Kind of like uh, three sides of a triangle that makes up the parental responsibility. Yeah. That is, they were giving guidance, giving counsel, warning and correcting. And at the same time, they were coming alongside these people and comforting them. And this wasn't just a one-time thing. This is what they were doing regularly while they were with those believers. And even when they left, Paul was concerned that they continued to get those things from Timothy, whom he sent back to them. They were faithful to their high responsibility. Well, what the apostle said here is for fathers also. Sure is. Look with me at Moses' words to Israel in Deuteronomy 6. We were in this text a few months ago. Go with me over to Deuteronomy 6. You probably know the passage that we are going to read here. Verses 4 to 10. Actually, 4 to 9. 4 to 9. Deuteronomy 6. Moses was sharing these words with the fathers of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What you see there is shortened in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Colossians 3, 19 to 21. In the New Testament, you have the same message that you have there in Deuteronomy 6, just in a shortened version. Now, I want you to turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 4, just to see an example of this. Proverbs chapter 4. This, was, this came to my mind this past week as I was thinking through this. It just jumped out at it, uh, my heart and mine. But I want to read the first ten verses of Proverbs chapter 4 where you see an example of this special care of discipling the hearts of your children. 
It says there, beginning with verse 1, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding, for I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Hear my son and accept my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. So fathers, does this characterize you? It should. I mean, it's part of being a dad. (laughs) But so often, it is neglected or it is turned over to mom. (laughs) Dads go out of the home for about eight to ten hours, and so I think they trust in mom to take care of all those spiritual matters of discipling the heart. And let me say this. It is indeed... uh, Important for the mom to support her husband in doing that while he is gone? Absolutely. But it is the husband's primary duty and responsibility. So when you come home and you hear from your wife about all that's been going on and might need some attention, do you just slack off, go watch TV? Or do you take the time to sit down and talk with the hearts of these children? Yes, doing exactly what verse 11 says here. Exhorting, encouraging, imploring. (laughs) Yeah. And Lord willing, men, if you grab the bull by the horns and take that upon yourself, you're going to see the fruit of it as I pointed out at the beginning of this message. And what's the fruit? It's there in verse 12. This is the purpose clause for all this care. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You want your children to walk worthy of their calling. First of all, that they would embrace Christ and then to follow him. When you are faithful, fathers, in these things, I can't help but believe you will see fruit of this in your homes. So pray that God will help you and give you the wisdom and the energy to disciple the hearts of your family. It is a hard work. I'm not going to deny that. In fact, what does it say up there in verse 9? For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship. He's talking about working to the point of exhaustion here. It is hard work, but the payoff is glorious. And ultimately, it's for God's glory. Amen? Yeah. Did you hear the mouth of babes there? Well, I'm telling you. That should be an encouragement to us, sure. Well, as you clearly saw from the text, there are three marks of spiritual care that Paul and his co-laborers offered the church, and they can be applied to fathers as leaders in the home. Christian fathers share the gospel with their family, 
They exemplify the truth before their family, and they disciple the hearts of their family. Three marks of spiritual care. I trust that you asked yourself the question throughout this message, does my family know this about me? And if not, why not? Men, you can change by God's grace. You might have recognized this morning, I faltered along the way. God is gracious. He's patient. Step up to the plate. You can change by God's grace. And so take hope in Paul's prayer of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Just listen to this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. May these marks be true of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning and just taking a short time to see what you have for our hearts. And God, I can't help but believe as you did me, that God, your finger is sort of on the hearts of these men, pressing upon them their spiritual responsibility. I pray that, God, they will take these things to heart. May they and their family see changes in their homes, all for your glory. And I do pray, Father, that they will see the fruit of a family that's walking worthy of the calling by which they've been called. In Jesus' name, amen.